Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am the host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today I've got with me a guest from Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, Denny Boss. Um, it's D-E-N-N-Y as it sounds. And his last name is Boss, spelled B-O-H-S. Website's B-O-H-S.us. Um, Denny's been doing consulting for the last three or four years. And I was able to reach out to him and convince him to come on the Living a Better Story podcast and share some of his story. Because from time to time, we all need to hear about each other's stories so that we can continue to be awesome in this world. So Danny, thanks for joining the show today. Uh, my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, uh, this is going to be fun. I, I haven't been to Philly in a little while. And although for lunch today, I just bought like a Philly cheesesteak sandwich in the last week and it's homemade. So it's this frozen Philly steak. And then my wife, actually, I was supposed to do it and I got tied up. And so I'm, my wife's like, what do you need me to get for it? I said, I think it's provolone cheese that goes on top. So we did it right. And she even got the buns and it was like the most amazing meal that I've had in a while. And that was just today. So I guess I knew I was talking with you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, good to have you on the show. Um, to, to help everyone kind of understand, you know, who you are and, and kind of where we come from, it, I always like to go back to a young age, like, five, six, seven, you know, when you're, your first memories at a kid, some people say, well, I was into sports or I wasn't or other, other things. What was it for you? What was your passion as a kid that you really lit, lit you up in the morning? Yeah, for me, it was just pretty much anything outside. Uh, we had a, I grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of other kids my own age. And so uh, we were always just outside doing something. I had a friend with, uh, he had a tree house in his yard and we'd run around in there and we'd be playing any sport we could find, anything involving a ball. We had a, a concrete slab in my backyard that was in a square. So we used that as a, almost like a baseball diamond and we played kickball. And so really anything we could do outside, we had a group of kids that would always be out and about doing something. It, it, the times they are a change in, it feels like these days, there, there still must be places in America that that do that. There's a park across the street and the Denver Broncos quarterback lives down the street. So occasionally you'll see him out there throwing the ball with a few of the neighbor kids, but um, it just doesn't seem like it used to be out on the streets of America these days. 
No, you know, I guess for a lot of reasons, but I can just remember as a kid, you know, you'd go outside and it would just be like, all right, mom, I'll see you. And I'd be gone all day long and you'd hear, you know, kids, you'd be out and about and you'd hear somebody's dad whistle, another one would yell and that's the signal to head home for dinner. But, you know, we would just be out running all over town for the entire day. But, you know, anymore these days, it's just, uh, I guess, technology keeps some kids inside, but just the, the way things are today. Also, you want to keep your kids close. Yeah, right. Well, so if you think about, you know, running around, playing with kids, picking up a ball, playing sports, is there a thread between what you did then and kind of what, you know, what your passion was to the kind of work that you do today? Can you tie those two things together at all? You know, I think I can. Um, I played, I got into a lot of sports growing up. And so my brother and I played soccer all the time. So I played soccer from I was five or six years old when we would play pretty much spring, summer, and fall and uh, played up through high school and, and all different things. And the funny thing is my brother was always, he was always the best. He's, he's a really gifted athlete. And I was always the guy that would just play wherever I, whatever I could do to stay on the field. So I, I just loved playing and I, I, I learned to play every position on the field. And so one of the first uh, jobs that I had, um, that I really enjoyed. I was telling the guy that story and, and he, that's really what he, years later, he told me that's what stuck out was that's the kind of person I want coming in. Somebody will just find a gap and fill it. Um, and so as I've grown and then I had my own kids, I've always loved uh, coaching and things. And that's kind of got me even into where I am now where, um, you know, helping to see folks grow and, you know, young folks who come into business, come into the work world and, help them to achieve their goals and see them uh, go out and do great things. So um, I, I think that's really kind of stuck with me throughout life, really. That's pretty cool. Um, I assume that probably when you were younger, you would uh, do that for other kids too, right? Jump in and like play any role that you want that need to be played, right? You need a first baseman. Great. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I would always, like I said, for me, I love to play. I wasn't always the best athlete. Um, but you, you, I find that, and I found this in high school too, uh, you want to stay out there, um, do the things that nobody else wants to do. Um, you know, I'd be playing soccer and everybody wants to go be the glory guy and score all the goals. I'd go out there and I'd love to play defense and stop people. Just go for the loose balls, do all that sort of thing. And, uh, that's really what kept me on the field and playing. And so for me, I didn't care if I scored goals or if I was the, um, the focal point of it. I just wanted to be on the field playing and I had a great time doing it. So that's kind of transferred into, into my career, really. It's just uh, looking around and finding, well, what really needs to be done and how do we do it? Yeah, that's neat. And guess what? In every company, there's always a lot of gaps that need to be filled. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, everyone faces, you know, road bumps in the life, in your life. And sometimes we look at them as mountains and, you know, I think if you're, you know, if you're connected to God, he looks at them as tiny little speed bumps, but <laughs> to us, they look like mountains. Are there any of those big hurdles that showed up for you and how did you go over it around it? You know, what was the way that you were able to get through something that was difficult in life? You know, actually there's, there's a story I can tell you, this was fairly recent actually. And it's part of what got me into, um, pushed me into the consulting world and, and the contracting and setting up my own company to do that now. Um, I had bounced around a little bit in work 
and uh, was out of work for a little while and then um, came to work for an organization and they wanted me to you know, fill out this new role and lead their product management effort. And then um, had some challenging times and about a year and a half into it, they just said, you know what? Product management isn't really our organization. We're just gonna scrap this whole thing. And so I found myself actually out of work for, I wanna say it was about a year and a half. Um, and you know, at this point in my life, I've got four kids and you know, a mortgage and our family and everything here. And it's challenging when you're, when you're out of work that long and trying to find something else. Um, it was tough and it was, there was a lot of real struggles there that went on, but um, from a, I, I guess, financial standpoint and, and the physical world here, I got help from family and friends, some, some family help and, and my church was a big help to me. Um, and, you know, just relying on and knowing that God is who he says he is, um, that he doesn't change. That was a big part of that. But, you know, coming out of that, it was uh, it was pretty scary at the time because, you know, we, we probably could have lost everything we had if it wasn't for the help that I received from family and others. And then, um, you know, eventually was able to as I was just looking around to find anything. I saw this, this, uh, something out there about this free freelance marketplace. I said, sure, why not? I'll try it. And I, I got into that and, and, uh, picked up a first uh, contract and, you know, I've been contracting ever since. And so that was, uh, kind of an accidental way that I got into what I wanted, but I'd always wanted to have my own business. And I kind of fell into it that way. I'd like to think, but, you know, obviously I think God directs all of this, but it was, uh, when you're going through that, it's a, it's a scary and difficult time. But, you know, looking back, I can, uh, there's a lot of things that I can draw from and learn from that time period that are really valuable to me today. Man, I, yeah, I can feel it. I can hear it in your voice. You can, right. You can, I can wear that and, and feel it. And, uh, you know, I've been close before where it's like the business is going 200,000 a month and I've got people working for the business and then it drops to a 20 and you go, what am I going to, where am I going to go pull that out of? I'm not like, we're not funded. I can't, I'm not going to just kill my IRA overnight. You know, that's a lot of dough we're talking about. And um, I read something just today that said most U.S. citizens can live on, they only have about $500 in emergency cash. And that was two years ago. Now it's 400 bucks. Wow. And you, you know, and you think about a year and a half, and I think with everything that's just gone on in the last year and a half, that that's happened to a lot of people. Um, and yet you got through it. And, and that's the, when, when you really have this third thing, right? Your belief system, yeah. it's amazing what can actually happen to where the silver lining at the end of it is, holy cow, I've always wanted to do my own business and look where I ended up. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I never would have thought, well, I'll just, um, I'll just go out of work and, and lose pretty much, you know, drain my bank accounts and lose everything. And then eventually out of that, I'll form a business. It's not the way I would have gone about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes that's what's required. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you're tested on your faith, man. We had my son's 19 and he had a burn accident about in February of this year. And he was cooking on the stove at his apartment at college, his first year of college. And, and the grease caught fire. He put it underwater, poof. So second, third degree burns face and hands. And you're just like, okay, God, I trust you. You got this. 
And my prayer was, hey, I've never asked for a miracle in my whole life. Would you please give us a miracle? So that the only way to describe it was a miracle. And I know they say you're not supposed to test God. And I was like, I know I apologize in advance for testing you here, but this is very important. And um, I tell you, in, a, in the first week, things went from bad to worse. And you're like, come on, God, you know, and then you leave the hospital every night during COVID. So there's only a little limited visiting hours. And um, the last day before surgery was like, what's going on? We were voiceless. We were just like, come on, really? And then they wrap them up. They do the surgery. A week later, we come back. They start to take it off. And it's like, he's back. And it was just so magic. I mean, and that just, you know, when you're tested and, you, you know, money can money can come and go, but your kids and your family and your, you know, it just really makes you prioritize things. Yeah. I mean, we had a very similar experience where my oldest son um, recently was, was out with some friends and he's on his way home, slippery road and, you know, lost control of his car and hit a tree. And uh, I get a phone ringing at two 30 in the morning telling me, Hey, I was on my way home. And, you know, he, you know, I, I go out and meet him and, you know, you look at the car and it's just, uh, I was amazed he was, he, he was still alive and here he is standing on the side of the road. He had to have, you know, broke his arms, but, uh, you know, as a parent, you're right. The other story I'm telling you, you can lose money in different things, but when you're faced with things like that, um, that, that really sets your perspective. Wow. Well, that's see when, when we got the call at the red Robin restaurant, I'm out with my wife and we we're there with my nephew and niece and daughter. And we got the call and we heard, I've been in a car accident, but that's not what he said. And so we're, we're kind of, but the thing that ran through my mind was, well, at least he's talking to us on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was, no, no, a cooking accident. And then you're like, what's a cooking accident? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's the, the uh, it's amazing what medical uh, community can do these days. There's this treatment called resell where they actually take a tiny little piece of skin graft mix it up in like a spray can of, I picture it like that anyway, and they spray it on instead of sewing it on. And so, and it just took like you would not believe. And wow. uh, yeah, his, his right hand is perfect. Left hand still in healing mode, but face, which is probably the most important of the equation was just fully healed. And, wow. and, that, and that's where you're like, okay, if you can do that, then, then God, you can do anything. You know, right. it just really puts your faith back on a level that's unstoppable. Um, yeah. All right. So thinking about, you know, in in your life at this stage, if there's something that you could, and I, this is a loaded question, accomplish is probably a word that's not the right choice, but we'll use it anyway. If you could accomplish something that would change everything for you, what would that be? Well, you know, um, it's hard to say because I've always, I, I started years ago, I guess about 21 years ago, I went to work for a couple of fellows that I know, still know them, still go to church with them. Uh, and they found a company and uh, I always thought, you know, that's really what I wanted to do. Now I've, I've got to the point where I've kind of created my own company here and I'm, I'm doing that, but I'm a company of one. 
But what would be great for me, I'd really love is to be able to provide some kind of a, a product or service that folks, you know, really do need. And um, you know, just be able to, to build a company around that so that I'm, I'm providing, I know that I'm filling a need, but I'm, I'm, you know, being able to kind of operate and run that company the way, the way those guys did, because it was, it was really neat for me to see the way they went about some things and what they did. And, um, you know, I, I learned a ton of things from, from those guys and, you know, they were obviously, they were, they were tremendously successful and I don't know that I would necessarily even try to replicate that kind of success, but just being able to build something like that where I can bring other people in because it's interesting for me. It's great. I've got my own business and this is something that I've loved, but I, I always love working more as part of the team. As a kid, you know, I always gravitated toward sports, you know, like soccer and baseball and places like that where you're, you're working with as a team. And um, I always liked being a cog that was working with others to, to create and build something. You know, golf and tennis, for instance, uh, nice, nice sports and all that, but they were just, they weren't interesting to me just because they were individual things. And I always wanted to be part of the team. So mm. I would love to be able to build something like that, where I could really have a team going and, and provide a great product and, and just see it do well. What was the product or service that these two friends of yours developed? Well, there's a company out there today called uh, Frontline Education. Um, and it originally back way back when it was called frontline data went through several name changes, but I, I started with them. They were, I was in mutual fund accounting at the time. And these guys were building this uh, software service. It's a, it originally was a service that automated the whole process when, when teachers were absent and they would get substitutes. And I remember him telling me what they were doing. And uh, we had breakfast one morning and I looked at him like, I didn't understand half of what you just said, and I don't know how I could help. And that's where he said, don't worry about it. I'll teach you. And so I joined him and did that. And they really, uh, that, that company really took off. And today it's probably one of the, if it's not the top one, it's one of the, hmm. the top uh, service providers in K-12 education across North America. So it was interesting to see it started with uh, two clients and now have, I don't even know how many thousands of clients. I had a founder CEO on this morning on the on my other podcast called AI for Sales, and we talked to sales founders, people who I've done a hundred episodes of that roughly. And this this is a funded startup from the Bay Area, and I said, "What do you think's different about AI compared to the internet? Will it be more disruptive or less?" And he said, "Oh no, way more, because." the amount of mathematical, uh, the internet is just the baseline, right? That's the dial tone. And all of the functions that you can collapse years worth of work into minutes just lets humans do things at a level that's more powerful than ever before and make different kind of decisions than you would make in the past. His company was the security that sits on top of patient information and things that makes it anonymous so that other tools can use it in their AI algorithms, right? It makes it usable data. And so what I asked him was, where do you think AI is headed? And he said, well, a lot of people are doing niche problems solving. And he said, someone who comes up with the operating system for AI, like Watson's trying to do and some of these others, Google has an algorithm, Microsoft has something. Um, one of the things I'm working on, and, and since you are in this kind of project management, product management, I'm going to throw this at you and see if this if this hits. We're building the app called 77 Prey. And I think of it as an operating system of how do you connect 
it's more of a communication protocol, I guess, right? How do you connect to your creator? And everybody has access to it. So it's just pray in the morning, act according to, read a Bible verse, by the way, and then pray at night, and then kind of get in alignment with what comes at you from, right? It's, it's kind of tuning into the Holy Spirit channel of, uh, you know, a new FM channel. Um, I, I'm not sure where the question is in there. Do you think that that's a, a viable thing or have you seen anything like it out there? It obviously got you through a year and a half of yeah. tough times. Um, I think a lot of people could use something like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, there was a time I spent some time working for um, about, a, about a year and a half there. It was with American Bible Society. Uh, and they're based right in Philadelphia. In fact, they just, uh, I think within the past two weeks or so, opened up their Faith and Liberty Discovery Center. They have a whole interactive uh, museum going on. But I was there and they, when I joined them, they had, uh, there was such a need for this because part of the, they brought me in because they had all these products and they had all these different apps and they had different organizations or groups, departments inside, and they all wanted to build their own. And they were at least six of them were about 95% identical. And that was part of the reason why I came in. And really a lot of it was built around having this community. And, you know, we get, it used to be in this country, you know, you, you grew up and you lived in the same area you never moved and all that. And you were all, you knew everyone around you and all that. But we, you know, this, our country has changed so much over the years. We were all over the place. We're moving around and people are moving and left and right. And, and it, sometimes it's hard to, to set down roots and really get to know folks. And that's where these relationships build. And that's part of where, you know, building these relationships and, you know, you know, some people say like, well, you know, all right, well, church, man, I've been to four different churches everywhere I've been and it becomes more superficial. And so things like that become very helpful, especially in a day and age where, you know, young people today have grown up with technology as a, a major part of their lives. I mean, I go to church and, you know, I, I haven't taken my actual paper Bible in years. I always have a tablet and I do it all on there. So many, many others. So having something like that, I think is there's definitely a need for that. In fact, I actually spent some time trying to, to do some things similar to that. We had an app called a journey maker at American Bible, and we just couldn't come to a good agreement on, on how to go about that. But there's definitely something out there that um, a lot of people have tried some things, but they try, you know, they, they're, they're always, there's always an angle to it and just being able to say, look, this is just a way to. Yeah. There's no catch. There's no gimmick. Right. It's right. just a path. I'm going to share a screen because I can, <laughs> I want to show you this. This just came back. So they gave me rev one. This is rev two. And you know, this is the, so I'll take it from top to bottom. The image of the door there was originally what I was going to call the app, Wellhouse. And where the Wellhouse came from is that my son and I were hiking in the mountains of Colorado, and they have these Wellhouses so that when you're, when you're driving your car in the mountains in the 50s and it overheats, they didn't have a proper radiator. So you had to drive into one of these things and fill it up with water so that it wouldn't overheat. And so I, I you know, sent her the image of that well house. Now there was a little topper, you know, steeple looking thing on top, but you know, you can get the picture and then, you know, the light behind it is kind of like, Hey, there's light behind the darkness. Um, I also did 75 hard 
which is a mental toughness app. So you do 75 days of, of two workouts a day for 45 minutes. <laughs> that was cool. A gallon of water, uh, read 10 pages in a book and no alcohol for 75 days. By the end of that, you're, you're in pretty good shape mentally and physically. But the missing gap was the spiritual piece. So I came up with this and said, you know what? Let's figure out a way to connect you to God's miracles. So pray, read a Bible verse, take action by inviting someone to the app. So we think the viralness to this will be, you know, you click on the button to share and it'll say post to Facebook. But really the value is, hey, pick someone in your contacts to text that says, hey, I've been thinking about you lately. I've been, and I prayed for you. I really think you ought to check out this app and, and be part of it. And so the mad, there's two magic pieces, right? First is just track your daily, make sure you do it. And it pops up. So, you know, you do something 21 days in a row, it becomes a habit. Right. But then when you want to crowdsource a prayer, when we put out on LinkedIn, I had 20,000 people that were commenting and saying, I'm praying for your son. And so knowing that gave me this confidence that, oh my goodness. So the app's going to say, hey, let's make sure we tell the person how many people have prayed for them. And then let's say you face a difficult decision. I need to move. I'm looking for work. You post that. And now this global community can come in and post Bible verses or share ideas. Um, so it's a pretty simplistic form of an app. And, you know, this just came about 60 days ago and within a month, it'll, it'll be live. Um, I bring that up because you said you wanted to be part of something big. And I feel like maybe that's why we were put on the call today. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, you never know <laughs> because yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know if we have time to go through it today, but maybe some other time you and I can talk some more. I'd love to share with you some of the other things that I've done with, uh, you know, working with groups like uh, uh, there was a place called Aura at one point that had a it was almost like a Facebook for prayer. It didn't quite go because I think they they overdid it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of different things like that. But I mean, so many people have tried to use technology to do this, but sometimes you know the technology gets in the way of the simple message. And it really should just be the accompanying piece that lets you share the message. Yes. Well, that I'd love to drill down further. So. Um, so we talked about what would change everything. Love it. If you similar question, which is fast forward three years from now, we're back on podcast round two. And I say, all right, you were running your business for the last three years. How did the next three years go? Right? What, what would you say? This was the most amazing three years, Chad, this happened. What would that look like? Well, I think if I fast forward to three years, my, I have uh, four kids that I mentioned earlier, and they're getting to the age now where, um, you know, they're, they're getting older. And so it would be interesting for me, I think the three years would really be about, a lot of it would have to be about what they're doing, because I, I work with them and to, to try to help them achieve what they're doing. Um, and so I'd love to be able to say, man, I, three years ago, you know, my son was in this spot, and now he's doing this. And, you know, my girls were, were, you know, doing these things. And, you know, they're, you know, doing these, this is what's going on in their lives. And, and for my wife and I, the things that, that we're doing, but from a business perspective, I think it would be, I would love to be able to say, you know, um, these are the people that I've interacted with and the relationships I have. And one of the things that's, that I think for me, all the steps along the road of my life, there've been, obviously there've been some times where there've been some people that are just a bit prickly and, uh, you know, that have caused 
problems. I can tell you a couple of stories of folks that were just uh, some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. But everywhere that I've been, there's always been some relationships that I've developed and I, they've stuck with me over the years. I just recently talked to a guy that um, I'm going back more than 20 years now, probably 20, 23 years or more. And he was a entry level accountant. And nobody wanted to use him on their team because he had a criminal justice degree, not an accounting degree. And he came on my team and now he's like uh, heading up security for the London Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, stuff like that. I love to just be able to say, here are the relationships that I've developed and the ones that I've added over the past three years and the folks that I've gotten to know and how we've helped each other along the way. Uh, you know, that's everything else is going to fade. But um it's those relationships with people that you can uh, really carry with you. I think. Those are the yeah. I think that's something that's come out of the last year and a half in a big way. When, when, when you're asked to stay at home and wear a mask and all this stuff, you realize how important all the connections are for you. Um, I even saw something, you know, for the longest time, the term social distancing was the term. I saw something the other day where it said physical distancing. And I said, huh, why, why didn't they call it that to begin with? Because social is such a, you know, it, it really was. It was a social distancing uh, change in behavior. And, and, uh, and now you recognize when the rubber band snaps back into place, you know, I went through a drive-through this morning and I was like, this is refreshing for the first time. Nobody's wearing a mask on the other side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it getting that way in, in uh, Philly area too or yet? Or? Well, it's, it's getting close. We just had, uh, we had uh, I guess, just a couple of weeks ago on the 18th, we had our, our primary here. And there are two big resolutions on the question there because our governor has been the declared emergencies and has kept them going for since the beginning of this thing for a year and a half and has really pushed a lot of things. And it's gotten to the point where people have really just decided they're no longer going to obey these things. And so our, our legislator put some things out and, and we had resolutions that passed that basically limited that. So we're starting to see things open up a lot more now, I think, because of those things. Yeah, it's been, a, it, I mean, history is going to be an interesting look back in a hundred years or a thousand years and, you know, what, what, what happened then? But who knows where things go from here, I guess. Um, if you went back to your younger self, late teens, maybe 20, you know, is there something you'd tap yourself on the shoulder and say, hey, make sure you invest in Google or, you know, something that you would tell yourself as, as a young I, person? You know, I thought about that. Um, I think for me, I had a tendency when I was younger to kind of fixate on something and almost be like a dog with a bone with it. And I would get... Um, you know, if there was uh, an issue that I felt strongly about, I would, you know, I could almost be very argumentative, especially when I was younger and really push it. And I think I would tell myself to, to maybe ease up a little bit on some of that, to be patient with people. Uh, and just because, um, you know, you don't agree doesn't necessarily mean that you know, things are on. One of the things I've learned over the years, it, this day and age, it's, it's difficult to disagree with someone without being told that you hate them or are afraid of them. Um, and so I think I would tell myself to maybe just be, try to be more patient with people. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist sometimes. And I would, I would say, yeah, chase perfection. But with the realization that you're never going to catch it, 
And, and the idea is to continue to make that chase and have that integrity and go for it, but realize that you're not perfect and you're never going to attain perfection, you know, this side of heaven. And so go for it, try to be the best you can, but um, be patient and be understanding with other people around you. I would, I would, I think that would have helped me in my younger years to, to have that kind of advice. Uh, that's good advice. It's, you know, as, as a founder, a couple times at different companies, I find myself as the guy who starts something from zero and takes it to 75, 80. And that's where I get, I can take it all the way. Cause I, I get to the dog and the bone also building a website, doing a marketing, something or other sales stuff, whatever. But there's a point where I just, there's better people than me at the last mile. And, and having people who you can understand that that's their strength and then mapping yours up to that, you know, it's, I mean, that's why we're built with unique fingerprints in our life to be able to surround ourselves with people that can help us in those areas. Right. I think that's huge. Um, the other thought experiment I like to do is the opposite of that. And that is, and I'll take you through the fast version of this. I did this in an hour exercise one time. But you go outside, you're in this, there's this lawn out in front, and there's this big, huge bird that you can actually get on, like joust when you were a kid, right? You jump on the bird, and it takes you up into the clouds, totally safe, flies you 20 years into the future, and then starts to take you down to where you are residing at that time in 20 years. And you get off this bird, you go to the door, you knock, and there you are, and you get to meet yourself in 20 years. So you kind of take inventory of what's the person look like, what's in the house, and so I'm going through a deep dive of all of this. Then, you, then you're then you leaving and you say, okay, hey, do you have any advice you could tell me? Because you're my future self. Tell me what you could tell me today. And then you get back and you come to, now you're right back here. And it's a fun, I've done this multiple times. I'll be watching a show with my wife and I'll go, what would happen if I went there and came back? Because there's things that you know in your unconscious mind that you're just not acting on. So yeah. if you can actually jump into the future, talk to your future self and come back to now, you've got time to actually do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. Um, did anything come to mind when you went, like, what did you see there? And what did your future self tell you if you had time to run through that briefly? Ah, uh, boy, I, that's a challenge. I, I don't know for me, I just hope that, you know, I would, I would hope when looking at the future self, what I would hope to find in a vision there is just uh Lots of family still around. Um, you know, I have a lot of my, my wife's family is close by. My family is, I grew up about two hours away from where I am now, but all my family's there. And I think I look, I look ahead and I see, because my dad is not much older than 20 years. I mean, just a 20, I was born when he was still in college. So they got started early on their family. And so I might look at my dad in 20 years. Sometimes I look and I say, no, there's my dad. That, you know, what am I going to be doing in 20 years? What do I do like him? You know, he, he was, uh, it's interesting. It's, I think what I would hope to see there is someone who just is continuing to focus and you know, a lot of that family still around and, and just um, being, you know, working hard on different things, but um, focusing on the family and, and friends around and making sure that, that you're spending time with them while you can, because, no, that's what they say sometimes. Nobody ever sits on their deathbed and says, boy, I wish I spent more time in the office. Um, so, um, you know, I, want, I would hope that that's, that's what I would find there. And, and uh, 
I would consider that successful if I could. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, try that in a half hour meditation session or something. Sometime, you'll surprise yourself at what comes out. Um, last question is around faith. You know, we've talked a little bit about it throughout. Some people learn about faith as a young kid. Some people learn about it in their twenties or thirties. What role does faith play in your life? Well, you know, I grew up. Um, my parents were both uh, first generation. Christians, really. They knew, no one else in their family were, were believers, and they both uh, came to Christ as teenagers, and, and so I grew up going to church all the time from as early as I could remember and being involved in these things, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in high school, I got to the point where I had a friend ask me one time, you know, because I grew up in a fairly conservative, um, kind of fundamental Baptist church in, in South Jersey, you know, where there was a lot of, you know, kind of knew what the rules were and all that sort of thing. I had all the answers to the questions, but I can remember one time um, guy in high school says to me, Hey man, we're going to the movies tonight. You want to come? And I was like, Oh no, 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 I'm not going. He's like, why not? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't do, I don't do that. He's like, why? I was going, uh, and I remember sitting there thinking like, I can't come up with a reason. I don't know why, why don't I? And it began that that was kind of a trigger for me. Where I began to really question everything I'm like, well, what else don't I know? And so for me, that was a turning point to really understand if I'm going to say that I'm a Christian, I think I should know why. And if I'm going to say that I believe this, I better be able to explain it to someone. I better be able to understand it and, and know it myself. And over the years, you know, I've tried to do that. I've certainly had um, ups and downs along the way. But what I've tried to do is have faith not necessarily have a part in my journey but to have the journey just be you know faith be everything around it you know i don't want i don't want um sundays to be like separate and special than another day in, in the sense that you know i'm a different person on sunday than i am on monday i would try to be the same i have a, um, a brother-in-law who's uh he spent more than 20 years as a missionary in japan and I remember one time we were talking, he gave me a definition of integrity. And I've never forgot this. He described integrity as being the same on the inside and the out. And so that's what I've tried to do. And for me, the faith journey means, all right, well, I need to know, first of all, people say all the time, have faith or, you know, be, you know, have faith. And they don't really know there's, there's got to be an object of what that faith is in. Um, you know, if I, if I know I'm going to sit down and the chair is not going to crumble under me, I have faith in the chair. So it's not enough to just have faith. You've got to know what the object of your faith is. And so I've tried to really understand, you know, who, who is Jesus Christ and, you know, what is this faith that I have and, and what is this, um, you know, what is Christianity in general and what does it all really mean and what do I believe and how does that impact my life? And so for me, it really needs to be um, the central point of who I am and what I do. And then other things, you know, business and other things, that's just how, that's how I pay the bills and that's how I do things. But I try not to separate business life from personal life, from church life, from other things. And so um, that's for me, what I've tried to do um, with faith is realize that it, it's not just another lane that you step in and out of. It should be really, um, it's the center being of, of who you are. 
what you really believe. I, I love that. The same on the inside and the outside. That's something that we can all strive to be like this, this shirt that we did at the retreat. It's like I debated between what went on the back mm. because I wanted to make sure to bring in people of all different faiths and religions, like everybody's welcome. And I was like, they're still welcome. But this is what I believe that the only way in the truth and life is that way. So it's my responsibility to make sure that that's there. There's a guy who came by the house a month ago, Dr. Jim Wilder is a neurotheologist. And he came to believe he had missionaries as parents. And he didn't believe early. And him and a friend said, Hey, let's just pray every day for a handful of days, compare notes. And if if it's the same message that we get, then we're going to believe. And they did it for like 20 days in a row. And it was almost word for word. God told them the same thing. And they're like, okay, I guess we do believe. And then he studied it for his entire life. He said, when making a choice, there are 614 simultaneous laws in the Old Testament that we must consider when making a choice. A human can't do that. Like it's above our pay grade. So the only logical way to do it is what would Jesus do? And he also said, if you were to make this decision right now that would optimize for the end of time, so not like my family, not for me, but like for humanity, what would I do? And when I've been wearing that cloak over the last month, I'm like, okay, the only, the only logical choice for me is to play a much, much bigger game. And that means I need to shed the dollar, playing a dollar game, a hundred dollar game, a hundred thousand dollar game. We got to play in the millions and we're playing for people and eternity. And yeah. it's like, okay, let's go you know, and I feel like that's, that's the new direction. Um, and for me, it's just been, I, I believe strongly that there is future after this planet. And I believe that there's uh, angels that are guarding over me, or I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And, uh, and it's yeah. been pretty magical. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, there's so many things. I mean, you can, uh, you can read, uh, and certainly I think God's word and you read through that, it's, it's, that's, you know, my, the authority that I have in my life really. Um, but it's interesting because what I love about Christianity is it's based on facts. You know, so many times people focus on feelings and feelings are nice and all that, but you know, Christianity is based on facts, but there, there are emotions that come around as part of those facts, right? When you realize who God is and what he did, it does draw an emotional response, but it's those emotions. You know, there's times, for instance, there's days I don't feel forgiven, but I remind myself that um, the Bible says I am, and the facts override feelings. But, you know, there is an emotional response to these things as well, because we're humans, we're emotional beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, the way you described it as, you know, the journey of life is being a journey. Um, I, I think back, if, if you've ever read Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress from John Bunyan, um, you know, he, he does a great job of creating Christian life as an allegory. And it's a journey along this path that the pilgrim is taking. Um, and, you know, he highlights all these things, but he, he describes it as a physical journey that's taking place. And, you know, faith, you know, he that's what kept him on the right path and kept him moving is the faith and the path that he was on and, and knowing what he was doing and what he was really believing. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, wow. Incredible conversation, Denny. 
Denny Boss, really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, I think, like I said, you know, things don't happen by accident. And uh, I, I'm glad we got to dig deep here. Thanks for sharing your vulnerability and challenges. I think anybody going through, you know, look, a year and a half without work is just a hard hill to go over. And you've got to you got to reach out to other people because your church can help you do it. Even if you don't go to a church, you go knock on the door of a church, guess what? They will welcome you with open arms. And if yes. the one on the one corner doesn't go to the next corner, because I promise you that's, that's why churches exist to help people that are in need right. and, and to find their pathway to God. So, wow. Yeah. Incredible conversation. Thanks for joining living a better story podcast. We'll be in touch. Uh, I'd love to get back on the calendar and, and see where yeah. this goes next. Yeah, that's great. And I, I'm really excited to see what happens with that app. Uh, uh, it's, that's a, it's a great idea. It looks, looks, looks real good. So well, be part of the first 77, there's a wait list and I'm going to cut it off at 77 because I want the beta test group. So okay. I'd love to be part of the first 77. It's, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it, we're, we're thinking it's a dollar a month subscription with the intent to give away the money to people in need. Um, but we don't know what the 501c3 rules are. So it may be free. It may be no nation based. We'll see what happens and where God takes it. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you, Denny. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you on the next. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.